Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. It's Friday! Woohoo! I hope that's a good thing for you. Or if you start the week uh, working on Fridays, then uh, I hope that you're having a lovely start to your work week. We have a packed show today. We are going to talk to Renato Mariotti because I heard folks calling in during Joan's show, rightfully so, concerned about Merrick Garland's decision to appoint a special counsel. So we're going to get Renato on the phone in just a moment to talk about that because Joan and Asha, uh, I'm sorry, Renato and Asha Rangapa have uh, a different take on this. Uh, a little bit, uh, a little more calming, uh, but a lot of folks, of course, uh, very upset on social media that I'm seeing. I heard the calls uh, that, uh, you know, if Merrick Garland had wanted to appoint a special counsel, that he should have done that sooner, sooner uh, two years ago in 2020, rather than wait until after Donald Trump announced that he would be running for president. So we're going to talk to Renato about that and his take on that issue. Uh, coming up a little bit later at 630, we're going to talk to our film critic friend. Oh, no, at six o'clock. I got to get my entire schedule. This whole two hours thing. I've got uh, a lot more time. Why am I talking so fast then? We are going to talk to our friend, film critic Mike Crowley, coming up at six o'clock and talk about some of the movies. Maybe uh, you want to watch a movie streaming. Maybe you want to go out to the theaters. I have not. I've only been to the movie theaters once since the pandemic, once since 2019. And I went to go see The Shining. It was on uh, uh, one of the evenings of horror at the uh, Logan Square theaters. I was walking by. I was like, oh, I have never seen that on the big screen. So that's the only movie I've seen in the theaters. So Mike Crowley will fill us in on movies that he's seen, some recommendations, uh, let you know about some of the blockbusters that people are talking about. I, I didn't know. I don't know if I'm going to talk to him about Wakanda, too, but I am very curious. I'm hearing good things. So I'd love to talk to him about that. We also are going to have, because the holidays are coming up next week, we are going to have a psychologist on to talk about some of those maybe stressful moments that you're dreading with the family. Uh, Dr. Gregory Jantz is going to talk to us about, um, you know, maybe toxic family situations that you are anticipating uh, next week, whether it's politics or deep-seated hostilities or anything like that. But in a few moments, we'll talk to uh, Renato Mariotti because uh, he has, he was going to, he, I'm sure he's hitting all of the, the news circuits and, uh, you know, filling people in on what they should know. So if we could call Paul, uh, Paul, if we could call Renato, that'd be awesome. And uh, get him on the phone. So we seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight is the number to join our conversation. That's seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. You can call or text us to that number. I know some of our friends that are watching uh, that often join me for whiskey and a cookie at six thirty. This is the first week that I will not be joining for the first half hour. I still have to figure that out. But that's the uh, panel that I do with Elliot Serrano, Adam Selzer. Ellie, uh, Esmeralda Leon and Scott Stantis. Of course, Scott uh, not joining this week. He, he's, we never know when Scott will join us, but he will. He will be getting on with us. Did you? Hey, Paul, can you give me a thumbs up if you get the number? The, it's not, he's not picking up, or it's, it didn't go. No, it's on the screen on the telos. I'm sorry, I thought that's what you meant. Sorry. Uh, is it on there? It's not on there either. I just, okay, let me do this then. Sorry, Renato. I don't know if Renato's listening and he's like, I thought you guys were going to call me. Stand by. I will have to look for the number now. This is my fault for not doing it sooner, but I probably sent the numbers to, <laughs> to Paul. I mean, to uh, to Andy. One second. Let me do this. 
That's uh, can you see? Yeah, how come it didn't go through? I don't know. That's really weird. I'm like, well, I don't did it. Uh, so we're gonna call Renato Mariotti in just a moment and uh, find out what he thinks about the special. Uh, can you really see that far? You have really good eyes. Yeah. And I'm so tempted to like read it out to you, but that would be terrible. Uh, I know. You're like, what's no, that last number? It's this, yeah, no, I see it. I see it. It's that zero that threw me off. Oh, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, why is there a zero yep, in there? I got it. That's my fault. All right. <laughs> see. All right, it's all under control. Uh, how's everyone doing? It is Friday, and I, by the way, there was some leftover pizza from uh, when Warren Price was here on Tuesday, and I was really tempted to eat it. Is Tuesday pizza on Friday still okay? 773-763-9278 is the number to call and uh, let me know if it's still okay to eat that pizza. Or uh, or, to, or you can text that, too, and say, stay away from the pizza, but I'm really hungry. I do have Propel. I'm still recovering from that massive migraine that I was uh, I went through yesterday, so I have to hydrate and uh, stay healthy because that was brutal. All right, let's get Renato Mariotti on the line. Renato, how are you doing today? I'm sure pretty busy day. Yeah, it's been kind of crazy uh, today. I, I thought I was going to catch up on a whole bunch of uh, things at work. I had all of this uh, stuff <laughs> planned out to do this afternoon. <laughs> and then uh, Merrick Carlin out of nowhere decides, you know, Friday would be a fantastic day with no advance warning to announce a special counsel. Yes. So, so people, okay, there's a couple, there's a couple things, right? Obviously people are freaking out and they're angry. I saw Ellie Mistal say, I told you he was never going to be held accountable. Uh, you know, this is a stupid idea, essentially, is what Ellie is saying. Uh, you and, and Asha have a different take on this. You're saying that this is actually because, like, one of the tweets from Marjorie Taylor Greene is, she's like, fire uh, Merrick Garland. And if, you know, if that's something that the House wants to move toward, and they don't really have the ability to do that, do they, actually? Uh, they could, uh, not without two-thirds of the Senate. Okay. Democratic. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But those kinds of threats, is is it pointing a special counsel a way to avoid any sort of threats towards Merrick Garland and removing him from the investigation? Well, I think what it does is, yeah, it certainly insulates Garland to an extent, right? In other words, the focus suddenly becomes Smith, not Garland. Uh, and that kind of moves Garland off to the side. I think, you know, Smith is you know, harder to attack. Like, can you, he be demonized? Sure. But, you know, for all the work that Trump did in trying to demonize Mueller, I think he was much more, Robert Mueller was much more difficult to demonize than Democratic appointees. It also ensures that this could live on past the Biden administration or helps ensure that. I mean, John Durham is still out there doing whatever he's doing, right? Uh, Investigating, uh, the you know the uh, claims against Trump or whatever you know witch hunt or whatever he's trying to to do, and uh, he hasn't been fired by Biden. And I think that having a special counsel handle this makes it harder if if Biden loses in twenty twenty four for a Republican to uh, scrap the investigation or, or kill it. And you, so a lot of folks are wondering then, why didn't he, why didn't Merrick Garland appoint a special counsel earlier? And you, in your tweets, even say, uh, if it were up to you, that's something that you would have preferred, right? Yeah, I would have. I would have appointed, I mean, I actually, before January 6th, in November, right after Biden won, I wrote a column in Politico saying, you should appoint a special counsel to just take a look at everything, because... Part of the reason, by the way, people are upset right now, and I know a lot of your listeners uh, are in this camp, where they've been hearing, uh, they've been watching MSNBC for the last uh, 
five years, six years, and they've been told, hey, we can, you know, Trump's can break the law here, there, and everywhere. Why hasn't this guy been thrown in prison yet? And they're understandably frustrated. And I think a special counsel from day one could have shifted through all of that. But at the very least, what I would just say to your listeners is Trump has done a lot of shady things. But, it, you know, if you're going to indict a former president, you better convict them. And this is the this is Mar-a-Lago documents thing. It's the first thing he did where it's a real straightforward crime, um, it's sort of crime that's just a, a kind of a layup to prove. And I think that's really what motivated Garland to do this. I don't think he appointed a special counsel to kill the case. I don't think the special counsel took this case in order to decline it. Like, I, I don't think that this guy would have wanted the case if he didn't think there was anything to it. So I just I, I think this means it says what? Is it possible that it's public now, but they have been gearing up to make sure he's filled in on everything because people are worried this will delay the investigation? Yeah, I'm, I don't think it will delay the investigation because the, the, the special counsel is just a single man. There's FBI agents and DOJ uh, career attorneys who have been working on this investigation already. They're going to continue to work on the case just under the supervision of the special counsel. All it does is it replaces this guy at the very tippy top of the pyramid. And I'll just say this as somebody who used to be a federal prosecutor. The people at the very top of the pyramid, they're, they're very important. And it's, there's a reason the president, you know, is in charge of appointing them and all. But they're not the ones doing all the work. And the reality is the same worker bees who do everything uh, are still going to be there doing the work, uh, regardless of who's at the top. So what I anticipate happening is that the same people are going to be working on this. The guy at the top changes. And it's going to be seamless. And if you want to draw a comparison, you know, Robert Mueller, when he took over, he inherited the, the, the um, investigation of Paul Manafort. And I, I think he was indicted within five months. And, and I think that's a totally reasonable expectation here. And before the announcement of the special counsel by Merrick Garland, you had written a piece in Politico about uh, when you had thought the fact that you thought that Donald Trump probably made this announcement thinking he could stave off a, a further investigation or an indictment. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, that was certainly the speculation. It's a bizarre time to announce for president <laughs> when, right, you, th- we just finished the midterms and everyone's trying to figure out who controls the House. At the time, it wasn't even determined. And you're announcing for president like a year before everyone else. It's a little weird. And, and so... I mean, that, that's the obvious implication. I didn't think it would succeed in, in saving up prosecution, and it hasn't. I mean, now he's got Jack Smith after him. And frankly, you know, one thing I've told you in the past, Patty, is I thought Garland, you know, he's been a uh, judge for 22 years, you know, has a temperament of caution and moderation, not the kind of hard driver, right, that you'd want, you know, as a prosecutor necessarily, like pushing things forward quickly. Jack Smith is much more tough, you know, career prosecutor. So if anything, it's going to speed things up. And you had you had actually kind of predicted this when you wrote your piece in Politico that, you know, there was still time for Merrick Garland to appoint a special a special uh, counsel. This is it's just fun to read this like a couple of days afterwards. Right. Because you were speculating that the DOJ might not make any decisions until after the Georgia elect the, the special election between Warnock and Herschel Walker. Right. Mm-hmm. No, I was wrong about that, although, you know, this is not an overt 
step, really, an investigation. It's sort of basically just saying that the existing investigation is going to be placed under someone else. But yeah, I mean, they did they did do this before the uh, Georgia election, although I guess it's less consequential now that we know who controls the Senate. Um, but nonetheless, um, yeah, they they did act here. I did think that they that he very well might appoint a special counsel. And I don't really see the downside of it. I mean, if you told me in a vacuum, who would I rather make the call here? Jack Smith seems like a better call, a better person to make the call than Merrick Garland for a whole host of reasons. For so, fo- well, no, for folks who haven't had a chance, pardon me, if the, to find out who Jack Smith is, you want to tell us a little bit about him? Because all, all I know so far is that he was at The Hague. That's all. I, that's what I heard oh, in the background. Wow. Oh, no. Smith, Jack Smith's been a prosecutor for decades. He was, um, I think he was in the Manhattan DA's office for a period of time, uh, if I recall correctly. He was um, a, 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 a federal, former federal prosecutor in the Eastern District of New York. He then became the United States Attorney in, like, Tennessee, in middle, some, maybe the Middle District of Tennessee, something like that. Then he went over to The Hague and did some war crimes prosecution. I mean, this guy's prosecuted all over the place, and he's basically been a career prosecutor for a long time. Which is basically what you'd want in somebody in this job. I mean, if, if, if Merrick Garland asked me who, what sort of person would you select to be special counsel, what I would tell him is select a career prosecutor that nobody has heard of. <laughs> right. Um, ding, ding, ding. Who has no political views, who isn't tweeting all the time, but who everyone respects as a long-term prosecutor. I, I I hope that folks are somewhat soothed by what Renato Mariotti, former federal prosecutor uh, and, a, and also a, a, a contributor to many news outlets. And uh, and by the way, during Trump's administration, you you doubted that he was going to be indicted, at least for the things that people were, whether it was Russia or, you know, trying to get, you know, to, uh, shake people down for money at his hotels and things like that. It's only now in the last few months that you were like, OK, I can see an indictment coming. Right. Yeah, I mean, I was very, as you know, Patty, very skeptical throughout the uh, whole Mueller investigation uh, of an indictment because, you know, collusion uh, is not a crime under the U.S. Code. The actual crimes are much more difficult to prove. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I when there was that whole Ukraine thing and impeachment, I didn't really think that was something that was chargeable. January 6th, I think, is a much harder charge to make against Trump. This Mar-a-Lago stuff's really straightforward, though, and um, you know that's the problem for Trump. You know, people in the in the public get so worked up about these white collar crimes and how hard they are to prove. Like, geez, it's so hard to prove knowledge and intent and this and that, which is true. A lot of uh, white collar criminals can get away with doing some crazy things, um, but you know the kinds of crimes that are really easy to prove are like drug crimes, right? Like. You got the weed in your car. Uh, that's it, right? It's your or you got you got uh, heroin on you. You're screwed. Um, this is kind of like that when you have the documents in your um, mansion. Like if you or I have top secret documents <laughs> in our closet, we'd be screwed, right? That's basically the kind of case that Trump handed them because he's just that much of a fool. Um, and so that, that I think he's, he's in a very difficult position. Someone just uh, our friend Jerry just sent me this headline. Trump says he won't partake in special counsel investigation slams as worst politici- politicization of justice. <laughs> what? Okay. Do you get to choose? Do you get to choose whether or not you participate in an investigation? Yeah, I decline to participate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, OK, I wish my clients had that option. You know? <laughs> well, I'm under investigation. <laughs> We decline. I could just send an email to the Justice Department. We decline to participate. 
That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm not going to play. I'm not, I, I'm taking my ball and going home. Oh, okay. We we know where to find you, sir. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly, right? We're going to move on to the next person to choose a climb, right? We're yeah. going to go to the next guest. Right. So so our friend Ellie Mustal, who's, uh, who is just like, he, here's what he wrote. He goes, oh, my God, we're doing it again. Actually, Gar- and he does this all in like that up, uppercase, lowercase. Uh, actually, Garland is playing three-dimensional chess because appointing special counsel will really show it's non-political. And Shirley Jack Smith from The Hague, the tough-as-nails prosecutor, we needed to bring this home. The last white man to be this ineffectual with this much inspiration. Institutional support was Christian Latner. I'm, I'm just uh, anyway. Christian <laughs> Latner is actually pretty funny. I, look, Ellie's a really funny, really funny guy. I really like him. And often there's like a, I'd say a really a hardcore element of truth in some of the things he says. I mean, sometimes he says things that well, I don't know. I often disagree with him. There are some I think things that he says that others don't that highlight important things. In this case, I think uh, he's barking up the wrong tree here. I do. You know, I think, as I said, a lot of a lot of what's going on here is people have been hearing for a long time, Trump's going down, this and that. And there's just been a lot of, uh, there's a chicken little, all these like legal analysts, like, you know, they go on TV or Twitter and they're like, oh my God, Trump's going down. And, you know, everyone retweets that or, you know, everyone tunes into their MSNBC special. Uh, but I think now, I think uh, things are a little different. Like I just, I mean, just like I said, just, to use your own common sense if you're sitting at home, like, do you really think Merrick Garland, like, appointed this guy uh, just to, like, wind down the investigations? Like, it's sort of weird. Or, like, do you really think this guy gave up his job in the Hague and flew out because, you know, he thought this was going nowhere and he just wanted to, like, ramp down and, like, have a, a high-profile, uh, very controversial and annoying retirement? I mean, it's just sort of not what you'd expect, right? I think everyone here involved in this decision thought that thinks that this is going somewhere that there's likely to be a a potential indictment here so very significant so to soothe the anxiety that folks are having that that trump will never be held responsible or accountable or that the investigation will go nowhere into the documents that he has uh, been holding at mar-a-lago you're predicting within about five months you would not be surprised if he was indicted I'm not. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he's indicted within five months. True. Now, I'll be, and I'm just going to make this clear to everybody. Just because someone's indicted does not mean that they're going to be placed under arrest. Okay. Usually, in a case like this, you would be, you could be asked to appear voluntarily. You know, for your arraignment. So that's the first thing. The criminal justice system takes time. So, you know, there's cases that I've had that wind their way through the courts for years. So, you know. Is it possible that a trial could last after, could go after the Biden presidency? Maybe. I think it's likely to occur during Biden's presidency, but if Biden didn't get reelected, is it possible that it happens after 2024? Sure. Um, so don't, you know, it doesn't mean he's going to be in jail in 47 minutes. This isn't like an episode of Law and Order. Um, but nonetheless, I mean, I think it's pretty significant that the first, if the first time in history of the former president indicted, that's a pretty big deal. Well, I was very relieved. I uh, yeah, I, I absolutely would be pretty significant. Well, I was relieved when I saw your your t- t- uh, tweets as well as Asha's. Although, with that in mind, I don't know how much longer. Do you have any thoughts on how much longer we might be tweeting at each other? Because 
I can't figure out Mastodon at all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. Yeah, Elon Musk seems to be like some sort of like like right wing bro, right? He's sort of like seems like some sort of meme bro from uh, some corner of the internet, right? I I didn't know anything about this guy. I knew he had a car company and he was firing rockets off. I was really not a big. Uh, <laughs> very knowledgeable about him. But if, if this guy was not called Elon Musk, but had a different name on Twitter, I'd be like, oh, this is some sort of right-wing troll, right? Right. Isn't that kind of, you know, bizarre guy? Yeah. Um, and he seems to be, like, running that company into the ground. Although, by the way, it just goes to show, the fact that that, comp- that that website's still running and that we're still tweeting goes to show you, like, no matter how disastrous the person is at the top, like, if there's enough good workers who are just doing their job, like the people who actually are, you know, doing the hard work, like, things could just move forward despite, you know, some sort of train wreck happening at the top. Right? Oh, it really is. It, it is a, a dumpster show over there. Uh, but before we go, and since I mentioned, uh, you know, the exchange between you and Asha Ragapa, uh, tell folks about your new podcast, It's Complicated, which is now as yeah, video, so- yes? Yeah, I mean, it's just exactly, well, I mean, come on. I mean, we've got, we've got very attractive pets. So, um, <laughs> you know, we've got to have video. We've got a video. Asha got a new cat. Um, my dog, I think, is more attractive than her cat. That's like a subject of debate. No, but in all seriousness, I've got a new podcast. It's called It's Complicated with me and Asha Ringapa. Um, we, you know, we are friends from law school. Um, and we we try to tackle complicated issues in the news, particularly legal issues. Um, but we try to have fun doing it. Uh, Asha is a lot of fun, more fun than I am, uh, and so it makes it makes for uh, a really fun experience. It's it's wherever podcasts. Uh, you get your podcast, you're able to find it. You can also find it on YouTube. It's called It's Complicated. Well, I'm sure that I'll have to call you about something else soon, probably Hunter Biden's laptop, but uh, that's that's a conversation for another time because the GOP clearly doesn't want to govern or have finding solutions to big problems. They just want to keep going around and around in circles. But it's fun, but not really. (laughs) Thanks, Thanks, Renato. Uh, Well, have a great weekend. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for say, thanks for soothing our, our worries, most of all. <laughs> all right. That was, have a good that was awesome. Bye, Thank man. you so much. Everyone tune into It's Complicated and uh, follow Renato and Asha on Twitter. More after this on WCPT 820. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We've only got a couple minutes left before the bottom of the hour, so let's get a call in. Matt, do you want to join me now or do you want to wait till after the break, Matt? I can wait until after the break. Hi, Hi, Matt. It's good to hear you. Are you in the car? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually driving a list passenger right now. But yeah, I can wait until after the break. Is a passenger enjoying progressive radio? He's loving it. (laughs) He's loving it. Does he want to join the conversation? Here, where where are you right now? I'll check the traffic for you. Where are you? Uh, I am going towards the 88 on 294. All right, I'll see if I can find that. I'll see if I can go through the screen and see if I can figure out what that is. All right, stand by. I'm going to do traffic, and I'll take your call. And Dave from Hoffman State. Vasquez, I have total faith in you. <laughs> Here, for the one lift car over uh, at 88 heading towards 294, let's find the traffic where, where you are right now. Stand by, Matt. One second. Let's do this. All right, let me fire this off, and uh, we'll do traffic in just a moment. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of 
every can of Choice Hard Seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Dino's Cardinal Liquors in Gurney, Illinois, and Sugar Beet Food Co-op in Oak Park, as well as in Chicago at Jarvis Square Tavern, Rogers Park, and Garfield's Beverage Express Wicker Park. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Just giving you a moment of uh, meditation there. also realize I have to send uh, more information to Paul on my next guest at uh, 545. Just one second. I get that tea, but I also get some Matt. So, Matt, I'm trying to find. So, Paul came in and said that uh, I-88 is also the Reagan. Is I, I don't know some of these things. Like I know that Jane Adams, which I called the Jane Austen on stage last night when I was in St. Charles. Uh, so, where are you headed? Let me see if I can find it. The uh, Reagan Memorial westbound from the Eisenhower to I-39 is at 55 minutes with no delays. And the Veterans Memorial now northbound from I-80 to I-290 is 38. Oh, here we go. Where are you headed, Matt? Well, I appreciate that, Patty. I just wanted to make sure that between Brightwood and Fullerton, Clark is clear, because apparently you read every street in Chicago. I know. So they have this. I know, right? So they have this screen, and they're like, just read the pinned ones. And I get it here. And and the other thing is, when information updates, it bounces the screen up. So, like, if I'm on the line, it's at the bottom, it, like, bumped it up. I'm like, I have no idea what I just read. So thank you for your patience. It's still, I'm still a work in progress, but that's my whole life. If, if you start doing the news, I'm going to have to rename you Patty Tyler. Okay, here's a quick story. Here's here's a quick story. I uh, when I was at another station, uh, f- local uh, Fox News channel 32, uh, WFLD brought me <laughs> brought me into audition to do news. Right? <laughs> and I was it was it was such a train wreck. <laughs> what was that? It was no, no. That's that's my. That's my, I'm listening. My, you know, it, it was such a train wreck. And here, I'm like, honestly, it was the worst. I, honestly, I kept going. I was like, there was a fire on the south side, and three children were killed. I'm like, you guys know I'm a comedian, right? Like, that's I'm a commentator. I'm like, I can't do this. So I'm pretty sure I, I killed that audition in uh, by saying, you guys just know I'm a comedian, right? That's what I kept saying. So don't yeah. worry, no one's gonna have me reading the news. Was that Bob, was that when Bob and Marianne were uh, doing their uh, Fox thing in the morning? It was somewhere after was them. It was after them, and it, but I think what they were trying to, they thought maybe they could chase WGN TV news in the morning, you know, because they, they have these great personalities. And, like, Pat Tomasulo is a comic and a, you know, sportscaster. You know, Alabella Val's so, you know, energetic doing the Around the Town stuff. Robin's really funny. Uh, Larry, you know, they, they wanted somebody, Paul, they wanted some, you know, wackiness. But I'm like, I but they all can sink into doing the news. They're all, you know, much... I, I don't have... My mother told me when I was little, because I make a lot of faces, like I roll my eyes and I, you know, scrunch up my face. She's like, you are never going to read the news on TV. And so, and here I am, not reading the news on TV. Well, I am very <laughs> proud of you. And I know your mother was proud of you as well. Thank you. But, you know, you know who I'm not proud of? I'm not proud of Ken. Of who? I'm talking about Ken a little bit more. Ken. Oh, Ken. I know. Really gross. Ken, yeah, because, Ken, you know, Thanksgiving is coming up, and I'm sure you're still listening, Ken, because it's okay. Magazines are one thing, they're a glutton for punishment. Yes. Uh, so, uh, i just like to point out, Ken, Thanksgiving is coming up, and my only problem with that is you'd, you'd be cannibalizing yourself because you, sir, are a giant turkey. <laughs> you are a turkey. 
For uh, for Paul no. and listeners, you maybe didn't hear our caller uh, who basically was talking about replacement no. theory and that I should assimilate because I, I wear the um, a Mexican flag sometimes and I I don't I'm not proud of where I am. Uh, it's whatever. Yeah, yeah. No, I that's gonna that's gonna. <laughs> you mean booger eating Ken, right? Moscoso. Yes, I believe is what Mirna said. Ken. Hmm? Yes. Booger eating Ken with a side of cranberry sauce. That's right. But, um, let's, let's get serious. Um, you know, Captain Captain Insano decided to declare that he's running again. Yep. Um, and then Nancy Pelosi steps down, and I, I, I Captain Carthy's in there, and I, I'm I'm starting to get scared because. We're starting to revert to what we had a few years ago, before Joe got in. And, yeah. I mean, can't, is he still under investigation? I mean, let me rephrase that. I know he's under investigation. Can they still uh, indict him? Is that still a thing? For, the, for Trump? Uh, yeah. Somehow manages to get back into the White House. God forbid. Yeah, well, they have uh, to. First of all, they'll have to replace everything with McDonald's. Yes. But yeah. more than that, <laughs> right. um, are they going to make it so that he can run again? Like, is that a thing? Like, what do we do? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I, I, I don't want to think about it. I mean, I, I, um, right? Because if they, get, if they, if they, they are going to shut down these investigations. Right. If he yes, if if they're if they're successful, I think that there's such a bizarre theater of madness that is going to unfold in the Republican Party with DeSantis and Trump just cannibalizing each other. I I think there's a the Republicans have a lot more to deal with than just the possibility. I I don't I think that they're confident he's not going to. But I, I would say never say never. But. That display of low energy and rambling, I mean, it's far worse than anything I've seen him do in a long time. And people were trying to leave. I've never seen, like, even the people who are paying a lot of money to be there trying to run for the exits and then getting blocked by security. If that's any evidence of how this is going to go, I think that the, not just Donald Trump, but uh, the entire Republican Party is in a lot of trouble. Sean Hannity turned him off. Yeah. I was Exactly. Shocked. Yeah. Sean Hannity. Correct. Said, you know... We're going to go to our commercials. Yes. And, and then you come back, and he's still on the same sentence. And, and without... Right, without the amplification of Twitter, without Fox behind him and basically just, you know, spoon-feeding everything that he says to people who are glued to their, their Fox News, uh, I, think that, I think that we're in better shape as far as him not being in the White House again. I, but I'm not, I'm not writing it off, believe me. I was one of the people that said he was going to win last time. Uh, I'm just, from what I can see right now at this early stage, it's not looking good. It's not looking good because the, the Fox News yeah. can't make money off of him anymore. Well, you know, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago on the Bama meeting. Uh, there's a plug for your show, Eric and Richard, uh, Sunday. Uh, hey, hey, hey. Uh, I mentioned the fact that do you think Elon Musk is going to unblock him? Well, that's well. That might be his way of saving Twitter, though. No one's mentioned that. Like, you want people to be back on Twitter, or you know, re-energize it. Like, let that craziness back out there. That you know, that's that's really another way for uh, Elon Musk to get eyes on Twitter and to not take it seriously, but certainly generate some drama and attention. Well, uh, look, I'm driving into even heavier traffic. Okay. You be that safe. Wrong. But, uh, <laughs> no, uh, Patty, I love you lots. I thank God for speaking after uh, yeah. six o'clock from now on. I, I can 
I don't know what I would do. And uh, enjoy Thanksgiving while you're on the radio. You know, just have Thanksgiving in the in in, in the studio. Um, I, I used to do that. And just. That's the whole family. I, I've done that before. I, I don't know if I could do that this year. I think the family would not enjoy that. But I'll see what I can do about Thanksgiving. Thanks, Matt. Be safe. Yes, you too, Doc. you Monday. Thank Bye. you. Thanks so much. Before before I get to our guest, uh, I want to check in with uh, D- Dave Hoffman States, who's been on hold for a little bit. What's what's on your mind, Dave? Hey, Patty. Just real quick, I guess. Um, you mentioned Bob Surratt. Is, is WCPT the only station in Chicago that he's not worked at yet? <laughs> That's a great question. He's been uh, the whole alphabet in Chicago, but uh, yes. The uh, I wish you would have asked, or you know, Renato, on the fact that I heard that Elliot Honig the other day saying that it's going to take a good year to a year and a half to to see the a grand jury. You know, like yeah. you said, it'd be maybe five months to get it, you know indicted and stuff. But I mean, yeah. Well, you know. I promise. Ask that next time. I'll have that top of the top of the question list. Sound good? Yeah, I mean, that'd make it feel real good, you know, if we got an idea, because, you know, from what Honig said that time, it's going to make it sound like he'll be already into the presidential run, you know, or whatever, and that, and and that, um, so it's, I don't know, it's going to, yep. something to think about. Oh, and then I see where uh, Republicans are already uh, calling for a special counsel on Hunter Biden. Now. Yeah, they, yeah, like I said, they're not looking to solve any problems. They just want to cause more drama. Yeah, they just want to muddy yeah. up the waters already, you know. Yep. So, anyway. Well, let me, thank you so much, Dave. I, I promise yeah, right. I'll ask him next time. All right? Uh, no problem. All take, right, thanks. Take, thank you. Take, take care. Let's uh, take a break here. We'll get to our guest, Dr. Gregory Jantz, and we're going to talk about uh, this uh, coming Thanksgiving and how you can approach possibly toxic situations with your family and friends. More in a moment on Driving at Home with me, Patty Vasquez. Hey, everybody. Let's get right to our guest who's been on hold. I, I want to thank so much uh, Dr. Gregory Jantz, who's on the line with us. He is the author of, hold on, there's so many things to read here. The author of the Center, well, he's the founder of the Center, A Place for Hope. And he's joining us to talk about possibly toxic situations you're walking into for the holidays. Hey, Dr. Jantz, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? Hey, good to be with you. And there are toxic families and toxic situations and uh, you know we have thanksgiving here coming up next week yes uh as the because you have you've written a book called the anxiety reset is there a way to let's say we have long-standing sibling animosities or maybe people are even estranged from family members and maybe this is the first time they're seeing them in a long time what what are some of the ways we can prepare ourselves going into these situations well, first of all, we need to understand there are people sometimes in families with hidden agendas. Sometimes there's that passive aggressive behaviors. Sometimes there's old trauma and maybe you'll see a person you haven't seen for a while and you have all that flood of emotions. Sometimes there's emotional abuse. And sometimes you may have noticed this, but some families get together over the holidays and it's just kind of a time of active fighting. It's what they do. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> So there's different things going on for different families. And I just want to acknowledge that because sometimes it can be a lot of dread, not always the gratitude or joy that you would like it to be. So let's just say that that's out there. 
and everybody has at least one person in their family that may be a little troublesome. And part of that is, as you heard, as you can tell, this is a a show where we have conversations about politics. Uh, We also have to acknowledge this is a very heated time. Uh, We're coming out of a midterm election. Some people have wounds. Some people are celebrating. We have to measure that as well, don't we? Oh, we do. And so here's what you you have to have what I call a pre-decision. What am I going to talk about? Right. (laughs) Because um, there are some topics to go. If I go that direction. Uh, this isn't going to turn out well. And sometimes we also need to have what I, I'm going to call it an armor bearer. You need a person that is your emotional protection. That's gonna, Wherever you are physically, they're always standing next to you. Um, they're a person, uh, particularly if you have somebody really toxic in your family and you feel targeted, well, have a prearrangement with um, somebody else who they're always just going to be nearby always nearby. They're, they're, they represent emotional protection. Sometimes we need a shield from some people. So we need to just predetermine uh, and also, um, you know, decide what topics are you willing to engage with and what are the best ones, you know, just knowing your family, what are the best ones to stay away from? You, you mentioned something before about trauma because there are like and not necessarily just the holidays, but for me, there are people who have caused trauma and refuse to acknowledge it and take responsibility for it. So yeah. I, I yeah. do what I do. Some, I do put someone in between me and I and I refuse to stay out of those spaces. I feel I belong in those spaces. Uh, I'm not going to hide from people either. And that's something we have to uh, also take into account, too. But you're right. I try to like pivot around somebody. I'll always have someone between me and them. And and there is like yeah. a way. Awareness is part of it, right? Just be aware of your emotions. Like, that's what I, I try to do as well, right? Oh, be aware of emotions and be careful about giving away your personal power to another person. Ooh. They can, you know, they can say some things, but be careful about how much you let them drain from you. Ooh. So be careful. Guard your personal power. Now, we also know sometimes going into family situations, People are hypersensitive and sometimes hypercritical. You know, there may be that family member, no matter what, they never have a good thing to say about you. So, you know, so just be aware of what you're stepping into. I do feel like some people will turn to food to self-medicate. Others may turn to alcohol to self-medicate. Now, I just want you to be aware of that. Uh, Every time you feel offended, if you go have a drink of alcohol, it's probably not going to work really well. I, I, I don't. I don't know what you mean. That one Thanksgiving I spent in the bathroom, sitting in the tub, drinking Grand Marnier. I don't know what you're talking about at all. Yes. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Because because including all the things you're talking about, that Thanksgiving was my first Thanksgiving without my father, and so I was. It wasn't even anything anybody else was doing necessarily. It was just that sense of loss and dread. So I, I think that that's an, like that's what I was saying about being aware of your emotions, and and with that, like hiding in the bathroom in the bathtub, that was just so other people. Could to go to the bathroom so that was uncomfortable for me but um what you should have an escape should you have an escape route should you be like no like yeah. like if a plane's going down know where the exits are right and also know ahead of time what time are you going to leave okay and so if it's an hour before maybe you kind of say or make an announcement oh i've just got another hour before i need to go but so control your time Okay. So to the best of our ability, we're going to control, can't always control totally the environment, but you can control your time and control your exposure. So, and just be aware, don't self-medicate or do anything that's going to be self-destructive. 
that's giving other people unhealthy power in your life. So if you are inclined to grab a drink, what would you say to do other, like what kind of techniques can you use to avoid that? Taking a breath, counting, uh, maybe wear a rubber band and and snap it. (laughs) What was that? Well, there you go. Yes, but I'm always going to go for the water. Okay. I know it sounds real exciting, doesn't it? But um, water improves concentration. Water lowers blood pressure. Water will help you a little bit better just to get resettled. So it doesn't sound real exciting, but have a have that sparkling water or whatever. But choose that um, in an intense situation over choosing the alcohol. And that's something um, you can even bake into the experience by bringing your own, like, yeah. you know, some for everybody. Absolutely. So, that you, so you're kind of yeah. like, this is my plan tonight. That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. And, and so what we want to do, just make as many proactive decisions ahead of time that you can. And also, uh, you know who's safe and who's not. Um, limit, again, limit exposure. But also, be careful. Uh, we can say some things that um, we may later regret. You know, there's sometimes this hook thrown out. Well, you know, why won't you talk about politics or something? And, and you Ugh. fall for the hook. Right. Right. Just be aware of that. Don't fall for the hook. Right, because some people enjoy that. They enjoy the drama and trauma of the holidays, don't they? They do, and that's what they're used to. Yeah. And remember, if we look at Thanksgiving, um, part of that is gratitude and make sure um, there's people in your life that you must be grateful for. Spend some time with them and really focus on the gratitude uh, versus anything that's going to be real divisive. Those things we can deal with at a different time, but not on Thanksgiving. So when you talk about like some people, uh, this is what they like they they expect it or they want it. There, it's just a, sort of is it an adrenaline rush for them? Is it just something that is almost as much of a habit as as any other sort of a cocktail or something? It's just that tradition of it. Um, yes, and they're, and they're enjoying being critical or combative because it can feel powerful. It just feels really powerful, and so if I'm already struggling kind of with a weak ego, well, I can be competitive and I can say things. Cause it, and it's really, truly, it's emotionally abusive, but it's a sense of power. So there will be people that this you'll see the power and control. And that's why I say toxic. The power and control will come out. <laughs> We're just not going to fall into that trap. And look, I, I, I deal with anxiety quite a bit. And so I, I, tell me a little bit about your book, The Anxiety Reset, because I think a lot of us, uh, I think it, not just the holidays, but these are anxious times coming out of a pandemic. Uh, a lot of a, you know, a lot of news stories that uh, kind of fill our minds. We're on social media and it feeds all of that. You, tell us a little bit about your book. Yeah, anxiety is the number one diagnosis in our country. It's above heart disease, above cancer, anxiety. And uh, our anxiety medications have gone way up. Well, part of that is we have been living the last, I think we could say three years now, just a period of kind of chronic stress. And there's a lot of, well, what's going to be in the news tomorrow? What's next? And so we've kind of developed this anticipatory anxiety. We're just anticipating the next bad thing. And, and sure enough, we can fight it every day, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so be careful. I think we've got to put more guardrails of what we're allowing in and limit. We've got to limit more. When you're anxious, it's hard to make decisions. 
we feel bad about ourselves. We can feel uh, unlovable. We feel like people don't understand. So anxiety kind of gets a little bit of a stronghold in our in our thinking, and anxiety will distort reality. And so this is where we've got to get back to some basic self-care, too, like where's my sleep cycle? How am I doing with my nutrition? Uh, am I drinking my water? I, you know, I just talked to a guy. He goes, oh, I'm averaging about 12 cups of coffee a day. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah. If I'm doing 12 cups of coffee, I probably will feel anxious. So what you put in your mouth will matter. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's well. We have a regular guest on the show who talks about how you know think of food as your building blocks, and what do you want to build with, right? So that makes yeah, yeah. absolutely. So and we also want to know um, medically: is my thyroid low? Am I low in vitamin D? Are there things going on in my body that's making it worse? In order to find things like that out, what would you recommend folks do? Who do we who do we seek out to find out if our vitamin D is low or our thyroid is well? Obviously, your general practitioner then. Yeah, yeah, your 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 healthcare provider. You know, that's one of the first things. So, this is our 38th year at the center, a place of hope. And one of the things that we always do with everybody is we want to do a a, a medical workup. We want to look at what's going on in the blood work. Uh, what if I have hypoglycemia? I'll feel anxious. What if my thyroid's low? I'll feel anxious. Uh, if I have severe nutrient deficiencies, I'll be anxious. So those are. I always want to cover those things first. Well, so what's going on inside my body? That again may be amplifying all these symptoms. Yeah, I think I think we could all use a little bit of a, a reset. We've been talking to Dr. Gregory Jantz, a PhD. You can follow him on Twitter at Gregory Jantz PhD. That's J A N T Z. Also, Dr. on Instagram, Dr. Gregory Jantz, and on on Facebook with the same name. And you can go to uh, you can connect with Dr. Gregory Jantz and learn more about his work, books, and services at aplaceofhope.com. I wish you a wonderful holiday season. It was a pleasure to meet you. We'd love to have you back on again. You got it. Good talking to you today. Thank you so much, Doc. Take care. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. You've you've prepared us, and that's an important thing. We appreciate it. Let's take a break here. When we come back, let's talk movies, too. Maybe you want to step away from the Thanksgiving table, push back and go, all right, no more talking. Let's go to the movies. Mike Crowley will tell us what's out now. More in a moment on Driving at Home till 7 on WCPT 820. This is Patty Vasquez, and you're listening to the Heartland Signal. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We haven't talked to Mike Crowley in a couple weeks. I thought I'd grab uh, some of his time. I know that you're busy, so I appreciate you jumping out with us, Mike. And uh, Mike is a film reviewer. You can go to YPAReviews.com. For you'll probably agree, grab a beer with Mike and watch a film. How are you doing tonight, Mike? I'm great. It's great to uh, be back on the show. Yeah, it's been a lot of movies uh, this week. It's the Oscar season, so, you you know, I'm practically getting like five to six movies a weekend. (laughs) Well, it's funny because you sent me the list of movies that you'd seen, and uh, but we haven't talked in a while, so I want to go all the way back. I'm looking at your your, some of your reviews. One of the ones that it was a few weeks ago, but uh, I absolutely love the actors that are in Banshees of Inertion. Adam Burke wrote that it's the most Irish movie that you could possibly see. It, that, that sounds pretty accurate. It's very Irish, you know. It's like Sometimes you can't even understand what the characters are saying because <laughs> their accents are so thick. So it, it's got that. But, yeah, no, the, I really like the Irish uh, Banshees of Inisherin because um, it's sort of the, it's a very complicated message about 
you know, what do you do later in your life if you feel unaccomplished and what mark do you leave behind? And that's sort of what Brendan Gleeson's character does, but in a very funny way. But yeah, uh, I'm not sure. Is that, I don't know if that's in theaters anymore still, but oh, really? it might be. Because we, yeah. we we're, we're catching up on episodes of Saturday Night Live, and he was just brilliant as the host. And <laughs> Colin Farrell jumping in. I don't know if you had a chance to see that. But I've been wanting to see the Banshees of Anderson. So hopefully folks can find that with your review. But I know that one of the movies we have not talked about that is still in theaters is Black Panther Wakanda Forever. What did you think of that one? Uh, I did like Wakanda Forever. Uh, of course, it's kind of like the same thing with The Dark Knight Rises where you don't have Heath Ledger, you don't have Chadwick Boseman. So the movie does the best job it can do without his presence and they honor his legacy and continue the story of Black Panther, but in a way uh, that's not expected and actually pretty heartfelt. So stick around for the mid-credit sequence of that film. Yeah, because a lot of times uh, the a lot of these movies will put uh, sort of what do they call them? Little uh, like Easter eggs? Is that like, what they call them? Yeah, like mid-credit scene. Because that's what a lot of a lot of Marvel movies do. They they know they don't really have a lot of story there, so they'll just rely on cameos and appearances and and basically like a little. Uh, cliffhanger at the end where everyone goes, oh my God, when they see the mid-credit sequence. But yeah, sometimes they can be, be used as a crutch to, uh, you know, make up for a film that otherwise doesn't have a lot of story. Uh, that's not Banshees. Banshees has a lot going for it. It's a movie that I don't think like everyone would enjoy, but uh, if you like slower moving pictures that uh, are very kind of oblique in its messaging, but has a thing you can follow, Banshees is certainly a movie to check out. Well, for some reason, when I, you know, I came across an interview with Matt Damon and he was talking about why it's so hard to make a movie, maybe like, you know, Banshees or, uh, you know, quiet romance movies, like even like Good Will Hunting is because of the death of uh, DVD sales. You know, that mm-hmm. there, there was always sort of this, you had the release in theaters and if you didn't make the money there, you had almost like, like the second release when DVDs came out. And with streaming and DVDs going away, you don't have that that, ave- that revenue uh, access to uh, recoup your investment in a movie. You're not going to make a $100 million movie if you don't think that's why you have all these big blockbusters. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, it's sad that physical media is going away because the problem with uh, the one thing with physical media that's great is that you can see a movie in a much higher quality than you would if you streamed it on a compressed file on a uh, streaming service. And also, you own it forever. So it's not it's not going away anytime soon. But yeah, I mean, streaming services, they probably bring in a lot more money uh, because it's easier for people to access. And there's some movies like, there, like Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio is out in theaters now, and I think it's on Netflix December 9th. And it's a stunning film to see on the big screen. All the meticulous details of the... Uh, the hand-drawn models just just really radiate the screen. I mean, it takes me back to when I saw The Nightmare Before Christmas as a kid, and I remember it never looked as good as it did in the theater. That was the same thing with Pinocchio. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, I don't know much about this this version of Pinocchio. Tell us a little bit about how it differs from versions we might have been familiar with before, because there, there's two others, at least, that were uh, big releases, right? Yeah, they're well. They're, I know there's a someone told me about a Pinocchio movie that came out like 
a year or two ago that starred Pauly Shore as Pinocchio. No. That's like, yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> I want to be a real boy, Mom. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they had a, but there was a Disney live action version directed by Robert Zemeckis, who is the guy who did that future. And yeah, it, it looked bad. It looked rushed. It looked flat. It had no emotion. Where Del Toro's Pinocchio is wildly different, not only just because it's stop motion, but because it really cuts to the heart of the characters by maturing a lot of the content. Like there's like Nazis in this film. There's Nazis in a Disney. Yeah, because they're they're in World War Two, uh, Italy. Because uh, Pinocchio was written by a uh, guy named uh, Car- Carlo, um, and I'm probably butchering his last name, but it's like Carlo Collodi, and he was an Italian guy in 1888. So here it takes place in you know Mussolini, Italy, pretty much, and Mussolini even plays a role in the film, which I wasn't expecting. But because the movie is so much more dark and mature, you actually get more out of characters. You get why Geppetto's motivated to make Pinocchio more than what was implicated in the original. And, yeah, it was a movie I was not expecting to like so much. I gave a lot of four Guinnesses on my uh, website. And I think it's a film that the parents will get more out of and the kids will hopefully not be freaked out by (laughs) Well, I mean, just reading about your the uh, sort of biblical connections, the way the way it's told, uh, is it getting any any controversy for for kind of the, you know the line between uh, the, the review references uh, the sort of Christ like uh, creation? Yeah, there's this um, scene where, or I think it was like Geppetto's occupation, and he basically was uh, the model painter at a church sculptor. And one of the things he worked on with uh, his son and then Pinocchio in the churches, they would paint the little pieces of blood on Christ's crown, which is, you know, I, I don't think the religious stuff worked as well. But, I mean, is it entirely distracting? No. It was just like a little nitpick outside of everything else that works so well. Like, because we know of Geppetto's motivation, and why he wants the kid. We get that real connection when, you know, he loses him and, and the gigantic whale that eats everything else. So, and this is not CGI, too. Tell us a little bit about the, the differences between this and, and a CGI movie. Oh, sure. So, they, yeah, because CGI movies, you know, we all kind of look at them. They all look the same. They kind of blend together, whether it's turning red or cloudy with a chance of meatballs. It kind of looks like the same movie. Uh, stop motion animation is where you paint it, where you have these models that are, I think they're like made out of clay. I don't know. I don't know. Well, it's made out of wood, especially if you go out Pinocchio. And you meet, move each model just a little frame. So then frame by frame, you actually create a moving image of uh, these things that are filmed physically on camera on the set rather than something that's can, you know, uh, done behind a keyboard. And just just for that physicality on screen is really impressive to watch. I mean, just spectacular, beautiful work. I honestly, I don't think I would have even looked to to watch this movie, but based on your review, I think I'm going to have to. Can you hang yeah, on? 
Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Hang on for another segment. Awesome. Uh, 773-763-9278. If you want to call and ask Mike about a movie you've heard about, uh, maybe he has seen it and uh, fill you in on it. 773-763-9278. We're talking to Mike Crowley. He's a movie reviewer. You'll pro- and go to U- ypareviews.com. You'll probably agree. Grab a beer with Mike and watch a film. More in a moment on Driving at Home with me, Patty Vasquez. Till 7 now on the Heartland Signal. Listening to Driving at Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. And joining me is Mike Crowley, film reviewer, YPAreviews.com. Mike, you've got uh, a couple other movies that you wanted to talk about, including, uh, tell us about this this Steven Spielberg film. I had no idea this movie, well, I don't know about any movies coming out anymore unless I talk to you. So tell us about Fablemans. So, uh, Fableman's, um, is it Steven Spielberg's best film? No, but it's a very good one. You know, if there was a filmmaker who ever earned the right to tell their life story, it would be Steven Spielberg because he's just a legend who's created everything. But there's also this tremendous empathy that encompasses his pictures that is genuine and real, and Spielberg really bears his soul, his personal life, in this movie. And, yeah, it shows throughout every image. I mean, Gamish, Kaminsky's cinematography uh, captures uh, really the, the idea of nostalgia, but it's also a movie about moving forward in life. It's one of the best films I've seen this year, and a great, great coming-of-age film, too. So so you mentioned earlier that it, it's Academy Award season where, you know, film studios and Purdue, they all want to get their movies in before the end of the year. So they're fresh in people's minds when Academy Award nominations and uh, the Golden Globes and all those things come out. So it, it, how weird is it that Steven Spielberg might be considered for a movie about his own life? That's just so wild. Uh, I think it's earned. He's done enough years of it where he can... Uh where he can get away with that. And the thing is, the movie never feels self-serving uh, or indulgent in any way. Because the movie's really about Spielberg's mom, who, I mean, we don't know what's true and what's not true in the movie. I mean, it is called The Fableman, so it is a fable, a fantasy. But uh, his mom had a lot of uh, mental health problems, uh, along with a slew of other things. But this film is really kind of dedicated to her. And Michelle Williams, who plays the mother, just brings in a spectacular performance, one that will definitely be uh, up for an Oscar, but it's a very crowded uh, Oscar season when it comes to Best Actress. But we'll see. Who? Uh, okay, t- before we uh, go on with the next movie, because you said, that, well, let's go to the next movie, and then we'll see if we have time for, because uh, I know you're busy tonight. Uh, what is, uh, Tom, what's Glass Onion? I have not heard anything about Glass Onion that's uh, going to be hitting Netflix. Uh, yeah, Glass Onion is the sequel to Knives Out. So if anyone like, yeah, yeah. So it's the same. So you have uh, Daniel Craig returning as Detective uh, LeBlanc, and he is there to solve a case that's uh, even uh, more complex than the first film. But in a lot of ways, I found it to be a lot funnier because most sequels, they like to up the scale, and they like to also, you know, uh, bring in higher stakes and this movie does that to like give away all the funny stuff that happens would ruin it kind of like last jedi had all those subversions of expectations that didn't work for me there they work splendidly here 
I, I had no idea. I loved, I loved, loved, loved that movie. <laughs> I loved oh, that well, you'll, you'll love the sequel. Like, everyone in, in the theater was cracking up. There's, like, a scene. Uh, there, there's, oh, I can't say the words. But there was, like, a scene where uh, Daniel Craig just yelled the most random uh, obscenity. <laughs> but it was, you know, it wasn't anything harmless and heavy. I want to tell you the scene. There's so much I want to talk about with this movie, but I don't want to spoil the fun for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Like all I all I can say is that it's a lot like Knives Out, where it's a uh, it's a parallel to sort of the rich. It's a criticism of higher class, and this one's instead of a uh, dynastic wealth family like the Drysdale were, these are people who are like social media influencers and all that. And kind of the movie has a lot of uh, social commentary to it. I didn't expect and. Some people might not like it, but it doesn't go to like Adam McKay routes with anything. I'm I will look. I'm looking for that tremendously. I don't know if you've seen the uh, commercial that uh, Daniel Craig has made. I can't remember. I think it's vodka. It's a vodka commercial where he's like, oh. it's it's a, he's having a lot of fun with his post James Bond career. Before we talk about the Oscars and uh, who you think it might be in contention, uh, Jim's on the line. Jim, are you talking about the Terminal, the film Terminal with Tom Hanks? Yeah. Yeah, the French guy died this week in the terminal. He was found dead in the terminal. That is wild. You know, they, yeah, they made two movies about him. Apparently, he liked the terminal because they must have gave all the money. <laughs> two movies about him. He died homeless in the terminal. Wow. The interesting and the interesting thing about it is he had a general practitioner, a French doctor. That's one thing an American won't get because I know a guy who lived at the airport. He wasn't going to no doctor was going to go see him at the airport. Right. With our medical, with our medical practice in the United States. So that probably kept him alive. What's interesting about it is I, I don't understand how you can make two movies, make millions of dollars and about you and you end up homeless, dead in the airport. He died this week. He died Monday. Well, you know, uh, you know, you can take a source material. Let's say someone wrote an article about a guy who lived in the terminal. And I, Mike, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you could take source material like that as your your jumping off your sort of catalyst for writing a script, and not necessarily owe, owe the person who it's about anything, right, Mike? Yeah, I mean, the idea of a, of a dramatic license is to make an audience feel something because movies are about feelings more than facts. In a lot of ways, I guess some movies are about facts, and facts are important. But we also want to add things. They, they, that they, they didn't feel too much for. They didn't feel too much for this guy. They didn't. They, they, they liked the story, but as far as his physical deterioration, they, they could care less about. But it was a wild story. He was found dead this week. Wow. Go, yeah. go ahead, I mean, Mike. All I know is, yeah. if I made a few million off a guy and the guy was living on the street, I made sure he got off the street. Let's put it that way. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm not familiar at all with uh, how they made that movie, but yeah, it's it may, and who knows? Maybe he. I have no idea. I don't know if he was. Well, he was ever. an Iranian. He was an Iranian citizen. Apparently, got kicked out of Iran. He, it was complicated, but they got him an apartment. But apparently, he liked the airport. That's, I, I don't that's, know what, that's, what, that's what I was going to say. There, I mean, maybe he did, still didn't want the trappings well, of that. It's, it's, it's a wild story. But the point is, he still had a doctor that came out. He would have died of the elements sooner, I'm sure. Yeah. If, if he didn't have a doctor at Kennedy. And that, that was the real story. Yeah. But it's just odd that a guy, you know, they made millions of dollars on a guy, and the guy ends up found dead, you know, is a homeless person in the terminal this week. Anyway, yeah. All I right. just uh, mentioned. All right, take care. Talk to you later, Jim. Thanks. I actually never saw the terminal, but uh, yeah, I, it it is. Uh, it was an inspiration for uh, the movie. I've never seen that. Have you seen it, uh, Mike? 
with the t- a long time ago. Yeah. I thought it was okay. Yeah, it was cute. It was enjoyable. The ending was a little stupid, uh, but I mean, yeah, it, it, the terminal isn't one of Spielberg's best films, right? You know, I mean, it, neither is the Fablemans, but it's a very good one. You know, he never seems to have any judgment towards his characters or condescension. He just has a uh, tremendous amount of uh, care and compassion for them that that comes across on screen. And, I mean, that's why something like, uh, let's say, Jurassic Park works more than the others. Because in Jurassic Park, you know, we, we don't, like, we like the dinosaurs, but what really drives the film is Sam Neill's character, who doesn't want to have children and is forced in a situation where he has to take care of these two kids while the whole uh, dinosaur park is overrun. And by the end of the movie, it's implicated that he is ready to be a father. Now, you see, that's how you write a movie compared to any of the Jurassic Park sequels directed by most other people, including Spielberg himself or Lost World, where you don't you don't have that essence of character. They're more like plot points in the movie. And this movie is very character focus i mean it should be it's about a young steven spielberg but yeah i mean i'd say that's a movie where really if you're a spielberg fan you'll enjoy it a lot if you're a casual person you might just think it's okay because there's a lot of stuff like in the middle portion of the high school that kind of drags with that movie (laughs) so a little self-indulgent in places yeah it's not that it's just very familiar to like any movie where there's like a high school bully and the guy is like attracted to the girl. It's like playing all the familiar beats. And I'm like, come on, Steven, you can do better than that. Fair enough. Well, before we go, yeah. so who are some, what are some of the films and, and uh, actors and uh, that you think will be nominated? What's, what's, uh, who are some of the front runners right now? Um, I would say Fablemans is a front runner. Uh, what is another front runner? I saw Brendan. It's not going to be everything. Huh? I'm sorry. I, I heard that Brendan Fraser is not going to the uh, Golden Globes. I thought it was a, you know, regardless of whether or not he gets nominated for the Whale, right? Really, I didn't know that. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. I was going to say the Whale's going to be a big one. I'm seeing that movie in a couple weeks. They were playing at the Chicago International Film Festival, but I was working, and uh, you know, I just didn't have the time. Uh, so, Fableman's Whale. What's the other one? Well, probably she said will be an Oscar contender. That came out this week, and that's about the uh, whole Harvey Weinstein case. Oh, she said, and right. Yeah, yeah. Were, mm-hmm. Yeah. It was actually, it was very tastefully done. If you've seen All the President's Men or Spotlight or The Post, then you, you uh, pretty much know what to expect. But it's also the most tasteful way to tackle the material. Because the the film could have easily been tastelessly made, but it wasn't. But I'm going to guess that will have some nominations for Best Screenplay. Um, and then, I mean, one movie I wish I would love to see get all the nominations is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Like, a lot of people like that. I would like to see a number of nominations for that. Is it my favorite film of the year? No, not really. I thought it was a little too silly at times, and uh, people probably want to hang me for saying that. But, uh, yeah, I would say... Uh, Right now, the buzz is going on about Fablemans. That's what everyone's saying. But you know, th- th- this sh- but this ship steers in different directions, and I can never tell what the real winner is going to be until I've seen everything or I tackled everything. I think Kate Winslet will win an uh, win an Oscar for her role in Tar, which is an extremely demanding, tough role to do, but she pulls it off magnificently.
Interesting. Well, things to look forward to and, and start checking out some movies uh, during this. As we head into the cold weather, you know, go to the movies and just uh, take a break from everything else and uh, enjoy a story. Thank you so much, Mike. Again, it's YPAReviews.com. Is that right? You'll probably agree. That's right. Excellent. See, I'm finally on top of it. Have a great night. <laughs> Have a great night, yeah, Mike. Oh, there's my ambulance. All right. Oh, well, that's all right. I don't know if you guys can do it on the background, but yeah. All right. Well, thank hey, you so much for having me on. I'll talk to you later. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye, Bye, Mike. Bye, Mike. Let's take a break here. I'll do traffic, and I'll right back. And ju- well, I think I'm going to do traffic in just a moment. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. All right. We, uh, as we wind down this last half hour of Driving It Home, I want to thank Paul for uh, running the show tonight. Uh, I was kind of throwing things at him at the last second. I do have my friends on the face. I wish there were a way, Paul, for me to like loop in the show that I do. I used to do I do a show every Friday at 6.30 called Whiskey and a Cookie through Zoom. There's got to be a way at some point to just run that through the board and then just continue the conversation with them. I'll figure that out in the next few weeks. So folks that are, that are fans of that show as well, you just have to have us on both devices. I have no idea what Esmeralda Leon and uh, Adam Selzer and Elliot Serrano are saying right now, but I do have them on my screen. I need like uh, closed captioning. Uh, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about how, uh, you know, you've got to prepare for going in to uh, family situations next week. Uh, I know that I don't think my I don't think my husband's family listens to this show, um, but we have we don't just have some Republicans. They're not just Republicans. They're very aggressive Republicans uh, that I married into. And uh, I, I I just kind of. Um, let Steve make all the plans for the holidays and I'll follow along. It's his family. I want him to see his, uh, his siblings. I want him to see his nieces and nephews. Um, and I, and I will be honest with you. I do often perhaps, uh, partake in a little too much of the beverages just to numb myself on there. And I have to be aware of that. And also I'm responsible for, uh, often Steve and I take turns making sure that Declan is safe. Uh, but now that Declan doesn't necessarily walk as much or as well as he did, uh, previous to his injury, um, his inability to walk uh, spontaneously in May, um, it, it was it was not going to be quite as like that's kind of one of the my job. I love just letting Declan wander and explore and and walking with him. And uh, there's a, a great little outdoor porch that's uh, screened in that my sister in law has. That I like going out and uh, just uh, hanging out with Declan. So I don't seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. How are you preparing uh, for Thanksgiving? Whether it's uh, you know what, getting food, are you making dinner, uh, or are you trying to mentally prepare to be around relatives that uh, maybe like pushing your buttons uh, emotionally? Whether it's politics or family squabbles, uh, what are you doing to get prepared? Seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. And I also uh, would. I would say, please make sure that you're getting your flu shots Uh, because we were not around each other for a couple of years. And I know many of you were getting your COVID shots. Maybe you were still getting your flu shots, but please make sure you're getting your flu shot. This is a particularly uh, vicious season for flus and RSV, this respiratory respiratory, uh, virus that uh, is hitting kids particularly hard this year. Uh, But there is a variant this year that is hitting kids and seniors worse than other 
strains uh, previously. And so please, please uh, consider getting your your flu shots because uh, you don't want to go into a big family gathering. We've maybe some this is the first time for many of you because you were still being cautious last year. Uh, please, this is, it's, it's simple to get a shot or maybe a nasal spray if that's what you need. But uh, before you go and gather, uh, and then I think that you have enough, to, I think a few days. But regardless, you, we're going into more holiday seasons and, and gathering. Um, so please uh, do your due diligence and take care of yourself. Uh, I know that some texts are still coming in about Merrick Garland and uh, the special prosecutor and whether or not it's really going to make any difference. Uh, I, I'm at the point now where I'm not like... I. I the whole time Trump was in office, I just kept thinking, it just, it kind of, you just thought, is this really happening? Is this real life? And you kept, it's as though we kept waiting for a, you know, a superhero to come save the day. And here's the thing. We are our own heroes showing up and voting. Joan was talking about this uh, in her, during her show uh, and playing a politics girl and, and, you know, the, the hard work of democracy, you know, it's not time to sit back and go, Okay, we held off a red wave. We that was on the work of a lot of volunteers, of organizers, of people who were putting in the time. And uh, we really need to to show up at, at town hall meetings, go to your alderman's office, go to your state rep's office. Find out how you can get involved. Go to your indivisible groups in your communities. Uh, there, I know that your committee people should be out there continuing to register voters. Uh, I am inspired by how many young people, in particular young women, were involved, were getting registered, wanted to have their voices heard. And that's really what it's going to take going forward is that, that long haul that and the long vision of democracy. We cannot allow uh, the lies that, that are spread to permeate so much of our uh, our country when it's the things that Tucker Carlson or Sean Hannity say and, and they're so vicious about it and they it just full out lies that you get then here regurgitated by someone like that caller on Tuesday you know Booger Eaton Ken is talking about replacement theory saying that uh, the immigrants like my mom are outbreeding Judeo-Christian white guys uh, you know I'll tell you something my dad was more than willing. <laughs> he was like, sign me up. You know, look, if you're worried about Mexicans coming across the border, we're just here to cure freckles, folks. We're just we're just taking care of the melatonin. That's all. The melanin. I always get those two confused. It's the melanin. Uh, but that but that's the kind of that kind of nonsense really fires some people up. That's why we saw those all those people in, in what was it in West in Virginia when they had the tiki torches and we will not be replaced. This is a, a drum that's been being beaten for for years and uh, and it dies down and we, we get kind of comfortable. But it takes having electeds who will do the right thing and make the right choices. And beyond that, hear your stories. That's one of the most important thing about your local electeds. That nonsense that Dr. Oz was spreading about how, uh, you know, the decision to, uh, ha- to terminate a pregnancy should be between a woman, a doctor, and her elected. Well, it, no, not even. A, it, it was the most absurd thing, and thank God he lost, resoundingly so. But, uh, it, you know, 
on the other hand, the only thing I would say is that your do- your l- local electeds should know something about your story. What's important to you, whether it is safety or you have an individual in your family that needs extra support, an elderly person, uh, your child who has a disability, a uh, family member who is dealing with a, a, a critical illness. Uh, there are legislators that if you go in and talk to them, it, they do start seeking out more information or bring more people with you to have that sense of urgency because without your story they will make decisions without you they will not take you into consideration and if you know who they are you might see them at the grocery store or at a, at, at a t-ball game at the parks or going to church and they will remember that they are accountable to you and that it involves being present, voting, uh, emailing them, staying in contact, knowing what's going on in your community, because too often we are separated from each other. Uh, we can argue all you want. And, and I will say that if you are going to talk to your legislator, please make sure that you're going in and uh, and saying, you know, this is who I am. This is why I'm here. I saw a lot of people in Springfield come after legislators, just like yelling at them, getting in their face and uh, getting contentious. And the, and look. I get it. You're passionate about something you're, or you're very angry or upset. You're scared. A lot of us are fueled by the fear of losing something or someone. And so take a breath when you're going to talk to somebody and plead your case and say, you know, I need you to listen to me and this is why. And there are, and I'm not saying every legislator will do this. And if they don't, then do the work of getting them out of office. If they just smile and nod, or you know that they're just showing up for a photo op, then do the work and let your neighbors know, like, this legislator, this elected is not doing what their job. They're not doing what we sent them to Springfield or City Hall or Washington, D.C. for. And as Joan said, that's a great idea. There are so many great ways to follow what is going on in City Hall. You can uh, you can follow a lot of uh, a lot of reporters like Heather Sharon and I think Aaron Field. There's a bunch of uh, reporters that that will put the link to the the live feed for City Hall, or you can just Google live feed City Hall, and the city clerk uh, Anna Valencia's website will have a link so you can watch the proceedings in real time. And, and now a lot of people are on Zoom, so you get, it, it, it's long, and you can see how things are done. You can see sometimes the long kind of slow drag of, of what it means to, to get legislation done. You also can find out what some of your electeds are saying, how they behave, whether or not they show up for a vote, or even if they show up to give the opportunity for our neighbors to have their voices heard. Last week, there was a, a, a hearing that was supposed to be held, and people were there. They were ready to talk about our, our unhoused neighbors, and... They showed up on they showed up several days at nine in the morning and there wasn't a quorum. Was your was your alder person there? Did they did they just turn their back on people, their backs on people and just say, yeah, you know, someone told me not to be here today for whatever reason. Uh, they didn't show up. There was no quorum and people were not heard. So find out what your what your electeds are up to. Let's take a break here. We'll take your calls. Uh, 773-763-9278. Eduardo has uh, something to say about some good things happening in the city this weekend. Let us know what you have uh, coming up in your neighborhood. What events you'd like us to know about. More in a moment on Driving at Home. We're here till 7. You can give us a call by the way at 773-763-9278. That's the number to call and join our conversation. You can also text to the same number. We'll be right back here on the Heartland Signal. On January 6, 2021, followers of Trump and something called QAnon attempted a coup at the United States Capitol. Who 
are these people? I want to live with the QAnon girl. I could be happy the rest of my life with a QAnon girl. Steve Goody song from his album Pandemic Vacation. Oh, did we lose Eduardo? Did Eduardo think I was not going to come and get his call? Oh, no, Eduardo, call back. Uh, 773-763-9278. Had our show last night uh, with uh, Steve Goody and Bradley Tassel on uh, virtualcomedyshow.com, as well as the live show that we did at the Arcata Speakeasy last night. So let me see if I can break this down for you tonight. If you're still looking for something to do today and you feel like staying out late with us, we have a 10 o'clock show at Bourbon and Brass at the Desplaines Theater. So we'll be there at 10 o'clock tonight. And uh, then tomorrow, I'm at Salerno's in Oak Park. Uh, oh, but we have a sold out show. So I hope that if you're, I hope you already bought tickets and you'll be there. And then uh, also, I'm producing the show at the uh, Studio 64 at the, the Arcata Theater. That'll feature Eric and Nicole Clark, Jimmy McHugh. Someone asked me about Jimmy McHugh last night when I was at the Arcata. So Jimmy McHugh will be there along with Adam Burke. So uh, that show is tomorrow. You can go to anestyshows.com to uh, to get tickets to all of those shows. And we'll be back there soon as well. Ooh, and I have uh, an update. I'll be meeting with the owner of Tata's Tacos to bring our shows back there. Uh, and I believe we might be doing every Thursday. So I'm excited about that. Eduardo, thanks for calling back. Eduardo, what's going on in your world, my friend? Yeah, Patty. Well, I'm joined the last day of the week. I was on vacation and uh, no travel, but maybe next month when I got another week off. But um, so we got a lot of stuff going on before uh, Thanksgiving. 
the Chris Kringle Market, the Mag Lights Festival tomorrow. Ooh. And a couple of changes here because uh, these used to be at different suburbs. Now they're at different places. One of the Chris Kringle Markets is going to be in Aurora. It used to be in Naperville. Ooh, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It used to be in Naperville, but that one is going to be now in Aurora. And then the Amazing Lights, there's a thing called a maze, used to be in Rosemont last year. That is now in Tinley Park. Okay. Yeah, you walk around, there's different uh, figures and lights and all that. And um, they have like a, some kind of buffet where you can all you can eat, and then you go down and walk around. Oh, how cool. No, yeah, right. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, but Time Out Chicago, Time Out Chicago, it captures all the stuff going on, like, into the weekend throughout the year. Time Out Chicago. Did you see that uh, the, the Chicago Symphony or- Orchestra next weekend is going to be doing the music from The Princess Bride? No, 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 but uh, that is, might be something interesting to go to, yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. The uh, short week. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for letting me know. What are your plans for the weekend? Uh, well, I'll be at the Maglite Festival with a friend. Nice. Now, yeah. where do you... Where do, you do you have... I used to work at a building where we could kind of take a... Like, be up high. Where Where do you go to enjoy the Maglites? Magnificent Mile Lights. Oh, anywhere on Michigan. Although, we're going to try and see if we can go inside one of the buildings uh, where we can be warm. I know the rooftop over there at uh, Nordstrom, Gwynn. That's a nice oh, place yeah. to uh, warm up it. Yeah. Very nice. That's right near the uh, the uh, the parade route. So that would be one choice. Yep. Here's, here's a whole list of things, too. As you mentioned, from Time Out Chicago and Choose Chicago, uh, in addition to the uh, Wind Trust Magnificent Mile Lights Festival, as you mentioned, the Chris Kindle Market Chicago is opening tomorrow. And what is, what's Winterland at Gallagher Way? This is something I had not heard of. This is uh, apparently another thing, an extension of the holidays. Uh, this will be happening as well. I had never heard of uh, Gallagher Way. Over is that over by is that by Wrigley? That must be right. I believe so. Yeah, thirty six thirty five Clark Street. Uh, they're having a winter yeah. wonderland over okay. there. Yeah, and then of course the yep. lightscape at the Chicago Botanic Gardens. Uh, we go there every. You know what I missed this year? We didn't get a chance to go. We usually go for the pumpkin carvings at Botanic Gardens. And, oh, okay. Yep. And another great place to see the Christmas lights will be at the Lincoln Park Zoo, of course. A fun way to spend. Sure, sure. Ho- yep. What are, what are some of your favorite holiday uh, traditions? Um, there's so many. Uh, I mean, going to the Chris Gringo Market is one of them. Uh, uh, amazing. The Maze Lights. I went there, Rosemont, which was great. Because I ate a lot and then walked around the uh, park. Nice. Over there in Rosemont. There's so many, yeah. And the ice skating, I bet you that ice skating is open both uh, at Millennial Park. It's opening soon as well as they have ice skating at Rosemont. Can I tell you a secret? I have never, ever, ever gone to the Chris Kindle. I can't even say it. See, that's why I've never been. I can't say it. (laughs) Right. Kindle Market. I've never gotten a little boot mug. Do we know if they have the boot mug this year that everyone treasures? They do, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of the big Definitely things. Get a chance. You'll have plenty of time to go. Yeah, you'll have a lot, lots of fun. You're going to want to go back. All right. So the, the uh, 
Chris Kindle Market's running from uh, tomorrow through Saturday, December 24th. Of course, that's right in front of the Daily Civic yep. Center. All right, I got to get on my holiday. I got to get in the mood. I'm trying to get in the mood. I'm not there yet, but I appreciate you letting us know about some of these events and uh, and get us into the festive season. We'll start playing some Christmas music soon on the show. I've got uh, Steve Goody's got some okay, holiday Patty. music, so that'll be fun. Okay, Patty. Thank you very much. Have a good weekend, everyone. Thank you. Have a great weekend, Eduardo. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, that's what we want to do more of is uh, find out what's going on in your neighborhoods. If you have uh, events coming up that you want us to know about, I know next week we're going to check in with our friends at the uh, Lincoln Square Ravenswood Chamber of Commerce. Our friend Rudy's going to let us know about some of the great small businesses because, uh, you know, while we have uh, Small Business Saturday is coming up and we want to let you know about local businesses and what uh, great events are coming up. And uh, you can stroll. Hopefully we'll have I think we're going to have nice weather next weekend, at least nicer than uh, 24 degrees that it currently is. Chicago. Actually, it's 23 degrees right now. But this week, we it looks like it's going to be up in the mid-40s, even hitting 50 on Wednesday. So maybe it'll be a good time to stroll through places. There's a great area in uh, Tinley Park. I know it's a great area to go uh, do some of your Christmas shopping, Lincoln Square. Let me know some of your places in the next week or so if you want me to highlight the events coming up in your neighborhood. We have, are going to turn the uh, station over in just a moment to our friends uh, with the Devil's Advocate and Mike Crute. And of course, coming up later is Rick Smith and and uh, all of your favorites here at WCPT. I hope that you all have a wonderful re- weekend. Um, it's uh, it's going to be busy. Like I said, come see us at uh, tonight in Displains. If you can get out there tonight at 10 o'clock, we're going to be at the Bourbon and Brass venue. It's a great spot to enjoy comedy. It's act- you, you guys, it's like a, it's just such a cozy venue. And I'm honored to be p- performing with Erica Nicole Clark as well as Adam Burke. You guys have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much for everything, Paul. I'm good. Making sure I'm clearing out early so that the studio is ready to go for the next show. Good night, everybody. Be well. This is Patty Vasquez signing off.